Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you chose to be here this morning. You could be doing anything else, but yet you're here. I'm so glad that you decided to come. Today's going to be a little bit different. I am going to uh, have a little mini sermon. It's like, well, what's different about that? Um, so you guys can like uh, hold up your watches if I get too long. Um, put them down now. No, don't get carried away. But it'll be a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to be tying the text today into the two sacraments of the church because we are going to be celebrating with two people that are going to be baptized today. So we're excited about that, yeah. And then we are also going to um, interview a couple. We're going to interview Carrie and Lynn Christopher. Most of you guys know them, but we're going to just kind of hear a part of their journey today, and then we're going to end with communion. And so uh, I'm very excited about what God wants to speak today. I'm going to be in Matthew 7 very quickly. I'm going to read the text, and I'm going to sermonette for you, and then we're going to move on. But uh, I've titled this uh, little sermon. Everybody's like, I'm going to believe it's a sermonette when you're done. We'll, we'll determine that when you're done. So, But this is from Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Steve did a great job preaching on this text um, probably a couple of months ago. I want to touch in on it and then kind of where we're going. But I've entitled this sermon, I Have Decided. Anybody remember that old song that you grow up with, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? It goes something like this. You guys got to help me. I have decided to follow Jesus. It's that easy. Come on. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing it out. I have decided to follow Jesus. The, the important part. No turning back. No turning back. That's a beautiful song, isn't it? There's like five verses. I'm not going to get into those, but I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I love the declaration of that song. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this. We talked a little bit last week about asking, seeking and knocking and that wrestling of walking with him in faith. And then he comes to this part where he says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. What was Jesus saying here? What is he inviting his followers, his listeners to? Because more than just a definitive statement, he is making, I believe, an invitation. And he's inviting us to follow him. I've said this before, but what he is driving at when he is saying the narrow way is he is saying that Christianity can only be understood in the place of complete and unconditional surrender of our lives to Jesus Christ. Outside of that, it won't make sense to people. But he's invited us to a surrendered life. A, an unconditional surrender life that we don't put the conditions on it. We don't come with a contract to him. And we, and, but he says, come to me. And then he says this, enter through the narrow gate. What is he talking about? And he said, if you enter that narrow gate, you will find life. And what he's saying is following isn't easy. Is it easy to be a Christian? Absolutely not. 
I mean, we have, we're very blessed in this nation, but there's places in the world that are being persecuted right now. People that are being arrested, people that are being put in prison, sometimes executed just for the simple fact that they are following Christ. So he's saying, you know, following him is not going to be easy. It is a narrow road. And with this thought, he was ushering in this kingdom that goes against the world and even religion. And I like what Jesus even say, uh, what he says about himself. Because Christianity is, is uh, accused of being narrow-minded in a lot of circles. You know, it's narrow-minded, it's narrow-thinking. Well, we can take a step off to the side and say that's, exa- that's exactly what Jesus called it. It's narrow. And I know that there's, there's parts, you know, of, of culture that say, well, you know, Christianity is not the only way. It's, it's very narrow-minded. It's judgmental. And I'm not saying that Christians haven't done our fair share of misrepresenting Jesus because we have. But Jesus was saying it is a narrow way. And so when I've had conversations with people, it's very interesting. And I, I've had great conversations with, with people that don't believe. And, and uh, you know, I've had some of those in more intense conversations. And my, my, my defense really comes back to don't take my word for it. Basically, your issue is not really with me. Let's just look at what Jesus says about Jesus. Because he makes some very bold statements. And when he's giving us this idea of narrow is the way, here's what Jesus says. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 10, I am the door. In other words, I'm the entry point to the Father. He says that he calls himself the living water, that when we drink of him, we will never thirst again. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. That when you eat and you partake of him, you have life. He invites his followers. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you don't take up your cross, you can't follow me. All of these sound very narrow. But it's an invitation to true life. And again, these are not my words. They're his And the way he came, he was ushering in a narrow way. He was ushering in himself. And that is why we have to go back to the cross. Because he went to the cross to prepare a place, to make a place, to make a way for you and me. And there was no other way. And so what did the sacraments of baptism and communion have to do with all of that and what we're talking about here? Because... Most parts of the Christian church and the Christian realm, um, you know, adhere to these two sacraments, baptism and communion. They were two things, you know, that Jesus instituted. Jesus was baptized by John, and, 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 and his command was that we would go f- you know, forth into all the nations, and we would baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he was making a commandment that we should be baptized as a sign to follow him. And then in communion, before he was crucified, he was with his disciples in the upper room. And we know the story where he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my, not my blood. This is a symbol of what I am about to do for you. As often as you eat it or, and you drink it, remember me. 
And so then in 1 Corinthians 11, we have Paul instituting this as a part of church life and what we would do. The sacraments of baptism and communion. They are more than religious rituals. They are a declaration of our lives. And I know what has happened in the church, you know, throughout time. If you study church history, there's been all kinds of things that have done, been done with, with communion and baptism. And a lot of times it can become just a very religious thing, something that we just kind of some steps that we go through. But they were so much more than that. They were a declaration they in themselves do not save us. And that's a biblical precedent. They don't save us, but they are outward declarations of our commitment to him. It's our own personal decision to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. And so let's look first of all at baptism, and then we're going to have a couple of baptisms. We're going to kind of interrupt our sermon flow here, and we'll go forward with that. Is that okay? Baptism, what, what is it for? Why, why would we do that? Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 2. And he says this and he makes this um, declaration in his sermon to these people that were listening to him. And verse 38 of Acts 2, he says, Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Because it says that his preaching, it cut them to the heart. They, they hear this word, they hear the gospel, they hear the good news, they hear about the cross. And they're like... This is unbelievable, the love of God, the love of Jesus. And they say, what, what should we do to be saved? What, what, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And so he was saying this is an invitation as Christ. It's a decision that is made by you and not for you. That's why we believe, and, and, and I think that you can see this biblically, that uh, you know, and and I'm, I'm not sitting here, I'm not just trying to crush people's traditions or what they do, but that's why we don't baptize babies here. We dedicate babies to the Lord. I would look at infant baptism as a parent's decision to dedicate that child to the Lord. It's not that it's not important or they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's the parent's decision. Everybody with me? The parents are deciding that we're going to dedicate this child unto the Lord. And that's great. That's fine. But at some point in that, that child's life, whether it's, you know, when, when they're older or really older, or it's at, at some point in their life, they're going to have to make a decision for themselves to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. What do we believe about babies? We believe babies are innocent before the Lord. We believe that everyone's born with a sin nature. But as Peter made this declaration and all those people said, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. And we think that that's so important to understand that he was saying, first of all, you have to repent. Repent means turn from your sins and follow Jesus. Obviously, a baby doesn't have that ability to repent. You know, all of us parents know the baby has a sin nature. We, we know that for sure. We're all born with it. But the baby, you cannot sit there and say, okay, I'm going to need you to repent so that we can baptize you. They, 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 they can't cognitively get that. So we believe babies are innocent before the Lord. If, if a baby, God forbid, if a baby dies before they have made an acceptance to Christ, they go to heaven. They're with the Lord. And so that's the way we, and I think that you can see that in Scripture. 
today as we baptize, we're going to have baptized two people. Um, I, I'm so excited today because I'm going to stay dry. I love doing it, but I'm excited today because we're going to get a couple of dads involved. And I'm going to have Morgan Johnson and Tyler Buer come on up, bring their dads, if they're bringing their dads. These two young people are going to be baptized today. And they are making the decision today that they want to follow Jesus. What is cool about today is their dads are going to baptize them. And I think that that is significant. Um, I, when, in preparation for this, this was so exciting. Ed first asked me, he said, you know, would it be possible if I baptized Morgan? And I'm like, that is awesome. That's so cool. By the way, nothing in the Bible says a pastor has to baptize you. Um, it's believer's baptism. Philip, one of the deacons, he baptized a guy once, and it was really cool. You can read about that. And so these dads, what, what I think is so significant is to, today, as these young people say, I've decided to follow Jesus, I'm so proud of these dads because these are dads that are stepping up to the plate and they are declaring like Joshua did in Joshua chapter 24. Remember when he is calling to the people and he says, who are you going to serve today? You need to determine who are you going to follow. And then he says this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I'm so proud of these dads who have stepped up in their own homes and they're saying, you know what, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the kids' decision to be baptized. The dads didn't force them to do it. But before they go change, I want to hear from them of why they want to be baptized. And if the dads want to add a little something to that, that's great. But I'll, I'll let Morgan go first. The reason I want to be baptized today is because God has a plan for each one of us, and I kind of want to follow it. With Morgan, she's taking the first step today. Um, being baptized is showing your faith and then um, taking on grace and salvation. So I want to read this real quick. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through uh, 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand there for having your loins girded about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which these two already have. Wherefore, ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the, of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, which they accept by being baptized, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word, which they've learned in Awanas and through reading the Bible, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all the perseverance and supplication for all saints. So now Tyler. 
I want people to know that I believe in God. I don't think I can beat Ed on that one. <laughs> you know, I guess one thing that sticks out to me when I was thinking, this goes for Morgan and both Tyler, just working with Iwanas, um, I know these both these kids' hearts, how they just love the Lord, you know, and it's such a neat program. And then, and I've always told my boys, I said the most important thing to mom and dad is that all you guys accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, because you can bring your family to heaven you know, you can't bring your stuff to heaven. You know, that's the most important thing. So, so, so it's an exciting day for me. Girls room, boys room. So, <laughs> while they're changing, I just I want to just talk a little bit further on baptism. Just like Tyler, I love the sim simplicity of his heart that I want to show people that I have decided to follow the Lord. Because it is an outward demonstration of an inward commitment that we make to the Lord. It's like the, the wedding ring. Um, this ring doesn't make me married. It's just a symbol. And so baptism doesn't save us. I think that you can see that on the cross. Remember that beautiful exchange of Jesus on the cross when he is next to this thief? And here Jesus in, in a moment that we can't, none of us can even imagine. He has suffered hours of, of torture, of unbelievable torment. He is outside of taking uh, this physical punishment. He is absolutely taking every sin of every person on planet earth that will ever live upon himself. And so the weight of this is bearing down on him physically, emotionally, spiritually. You know, and he could have been justified to be a little bit self-centered at that point and just get through it. But this thief on the cross, Jesus says to him, and they have this exchange, and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And I love that this guy accepts Christ right there on the cross. And obviously, they couldn't get him down off the cross and baptize him. And so he was going to be with the Lord that day. And so it's, it doesn't save us, nor does taking communion save us. It's really an outward declaration before the Lord to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's identifying ourselves with Jesus in his death and resurrection. That's why we believe in immersion baptism. Um, the word bap baptism comes from a Greek word that means overwhelmed or completely immersed. That's the literal word. And so when they are up here in a few minutes and they plunge them or dunk them, like we like to say, you know, they are identifying themselves with the death of Christ and then coming and identifying with his resurrection and life, his life in them, saying, I belong to him. And saying, I'm all in. I'm fully committed to living his way and not my way. It's our old life dying and a new life in Christ being resurrected in us. Jesus said, if, uh, I mean, Paul said, he that is in Christ is a new creation. The old things pass away and behold, all things become new. And so what we encourage people who can be baptized, those who are committed to Jesus and saying, I, I want to live his way. That's why... 
again, we have a couple of kids being baptized. There's no age restriction as far as, uh, you know, is, is like is 13 the magic number? Not really. Some eight-year-olds, some seven-year-olds, they understand. And so it, it, God works with us individually when they say, I have decided I want to follow Jesus. And both of these kids have said to their parents, I want to be baptized. And I think that that's such a beautiful statement today. And I'm also excited for the dads to be in here. And that was great timing, Ed. Thanks. Is it nice and warm? It's warm. That's a thank you to Deb. <laughs> I've been in here before when it's chilly, and it kind of takes your breath away. I'm going to have, I'm going to have Ed pray for her, and, uh, and then he is going to baptize her. Okay, if you bow your heads, please. Dear Lord, I just want to uh, have you put your hand of protection on this child She's uh, very pure of heart, got a great heart, and very innocent and pure and strong. And I just ask that you give us strength as her mom and dad and her family and church to help guide her and help her develop that armor that she's going to need through her life. I just ask that you put your hedge of thorns of protection around her and help us guide her through the life that she now is accepting by accepting Jesus as her Savior. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Morgan, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. All right. Okay. I now baptize you in the name of the Lord, the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ready? Yeah. Woo! Your boys now. <laughs> Let's pray for Tyler. Heavenly Father, I just uh, I just thank you for for Tyler, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would protect his body, his mind, and his soul, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you use him mightily, Lord, for your glory, Lord. Lord, he is your warrior, Lord, too. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Tyler, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Tyler, viewer, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Woo! Can I just stop for a moment and just say, parents, let that be a challenge to you. And I know that these guys didn't do it for that, but uh, I'm going to seize on that opportunity to say, dad, mom, lead your family to Jesus. Set the example and let it begin today. I know, again, sometimes the shame or the guilt say, you know, well, we've, we've missed a lot of years and we've wasted a lot of time, and you don't have to worry about that. 
The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. That's the great thing we have with Jesus. He can redeem in a few moments what we have wasted for years. So don't let that be a deterrent to bring your kids to Jesus every day. Dads, step up. Moms, step up. Bring your kids to Jesus Christ. I want to just talk a few minutes before I have this time with Carrie and Lynn, and I just want to talk about communion and the significance of them. And obviously, obviously baptism is that outward demonstration. You know, they, they are saying, you know, before, before the Lord, before this congregation, I am accepting Christ. And this whole thing of communion, what does that mean? What, did, what was Jesus instituting that night that he was betrayed? And I tell you, as you look at Scripture, again, more than just a ritual, more than us taking these little crackers and juice, and he was, he was making a statement of saying, I want you through this to declare in your heart that I am all in, that I have decided to follow Jesus. And that night he broke that bread and he gave them to eat it. And he says, as often as you do it, remember me. Remember what I'm about to do. And, and the disciples really, they, I don't even know if they could get their head around what he was going to do. In fact, I know that because in the garden it says that they scattered when they saw him being arrested. And this event was not making a lot of sense to them. I think that they were, you know, they saw him walk in power and authority and they wanted him to take over so bad. And that's why before Pilate, when Pilate says, you know, do you not know that I could, I have the power to save you? And Jesus says this, you have no authority to do anything except it's given to you by my Father in heaven. Nobody takes my life from me. I give it. His life was given to us. And so when he was breaking that bread and he was, he was giving them the wine, he says, often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, remember what I am going to do for you. In 1 Corinthians 11, again, Paul reinstitutes the communion and he says this, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So it's a declaration of our own hearts, but it's a proclamation to everyone to say, remember his death. Remember the cross. Don't ever move away from the cross. Don't forget the cross. And the cross has become such a symbol in our day. You know, a, a necklace. And I'm not saying if you have a cross necklace, that, that's wonderful if you do. But it has really become kind of just a symbol. And we miss the profound power of the cross. That that is where Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself. And he died not because we were good, but because he was good. Paul says this, and this is, if you've ever studied communion, and when Paul was bringing this whole idea of communion to the Corinthian church and, and ultimately to us, and he says this, there's a warning in 1 Corinthians 11. Because he says, you know, as often as you do this, you will declare, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. But here's what he says in verse 29. He says, if anyone who eats or drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. To me, that reveals the, the, the profound power of what communion is. Because he's saying, if you, if you don't recognize, if you reject the cross, if you reject 
the idea that that was the payment for you, then to come up here and partake in a symbolic way doesn't make any sense. He said, you, you actually eat and drink judgment upon yourself because you're rejecting him, but you're partaking of what he, you're trying to partake of the, the, the symbol of what he did. And so the idea is this. He says, I want you to do it, but I want you to have first gotten right with the Lord. When we come, it's just like baptism. You wouldn't be baptized before you became a Christian. Repent and be baptized. The idea of communion is to say, I belong to Jesus, and now I'm going to partake of this as a symbol to, that I'm, I've received his sacrifice. It's saying I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm surrendered to him. It's the narrow way. Jesus said this in John 6. He, he boldly declares this. He said, and this, this, this statement offended many people. He's got his disciples standing there, and he's doing this public teaching, but he's got a crowd around him. And you're talking about a narrow statement that he makes because when he says this, he offends a whole group of people. Here's what he says. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is the real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Now on a certain level that can seem a bit morbid what he's saying. So let me sidestep. He is not talking about literally eating of his flesh and drinking of his blood. What he's saying there, and they knew what he was saying because the crowd was offended. It says this teaching was too hard for them because he was saying this, I want you to be all in. You, don't, uh, you won't understand following me unless you're completely consumed with me. If you're not completely surrendered unconditionally, you won't get it. It won't make sense to you. My flesh is the real food. My, my, my blood is the real drink. I want you to be all in with me. And he says, when you do that, you will find life. And I'm encouraging you today, if you've never done that, surrender your life to Jesus. And you will find life. What he was not saying is, if you take communion at church, you're all in. That's not what he was saying. He said, I want you to be consumed by me. Surrender to me. And my question is, have you decided? And are you all in? The reason why I wanted to interview Carrie and Lynn, if you guys want to come on up, just take a few minutes to talk to them. Obviously, we just added them to our staff here. Um, we're going to need a couple of yeah, these mics here, Jeff. We'll have one of you guys sit here. Here we go, Lynn. Um, the reason why I wanted to bring them up is, is most of you guys know them. Some of you may not. And we just added them to the staff. And uh, I wanted to just talk a few minutes to them. I've known these guys for 15 years now. And I want to talk through just a few time frames of their lives and because I think I think just the journey and just even reconnecting with Carrie here has been just very special to me and there's kind of three chapters of this journey of their lives and, and they can share whatever they like to but I, I, I want them to pinpoint because I think each one of us can 
grasp at least one part of this chapter, these chapters that they have lived through. The first one is, is when they decided to follow Jesus. And uh, Carrie kind of told me this story the other day of when these guys met, and then there's something that stood out to, to me, and I'll let them kind of talk about it a little bit, but uh, I want you to kind of hear their hearts um, a little bit on this first chapter of when they decided to follow Jesus. So, No, you don't have to do that. So, That's a fun story some, some other time. We'll do like romance month, and uh, we'll have all these guys share their stories. That would be fun. Yes. <laughs> I was one of those good boys. And stay that way until I went off to college too and started making some other choices. Wanted to God. I uh, didn't really. I was uh, at the end of my college days, I was a common student at the traditional day standard school in Des Moines. That's kind of where I was at. I knew everybody in that high school was my neighbor. I know both sides, both sides of the fence. And God pulled me out of class one day. Found myself at the hotel corner in Madison, Minnesota. Remember that downtrodden road? It was awful. And that's where he put me there, showing me that he wanted my attention and he got it. And through that, I met some people. Um, it's a very unique thing. I was on my knees, probably speaking to the Lord for the first time in a real more than a year. And I mean, I was sorry. The door knocked. Guys were standing there asking if I'd go to their girlfriend's graduation. 
Yeah, because um, a couple of things I wanted to key on. Did you hear both of them that, that people love them enough to have an investment in their life? And I want to challenge us to make those meaningful connections with people to love them. Relationship is so huge in the kingdom. And I think that we can learn a lot from that whole idea of, of loving people and accepting people and, and giving them our time and, and letting them see Christ in us. And so I just, because it's so easy just to fast forward and here they are, you know, pastoral care, connections pastor, they're walking with the Lord and, but we can miss out on the journey and, and all of us have that story and that's why I wanted them to share because at some point in their lives, somebody invested time and love into these guys. And now, obviously, there was a love story, and we'll save that for a different day. And these guys met and loved, fell in love, got married. Very cool story Carrie told me about. Everybody's going to be, you guys are kind of waiting and anticipating to hear that story. I'm, I'm kind of feeding you here a little bit. But uh, when I met these guys, and this is kind of the second part of the story, is when, when the first, I remember the first kind of encounter that I had with Carrie. We had moved here in March of 97. That was the year of the floods, if some of you guys were around then. And uh, they were looking for people to sandbag, and Kerry comes in with his, his uniform on, and, and he grabs me, and he says, you know, we're looking for volunteers to, to do some sandbagging. At that point, they were attenders. That probably pretty much sums it up. They were attenders, but I didn't really know these guys. Their, their kids weren't involved in the youth program, and I, so I didn't really know them, know them, and, and, and obviously there was, there, there was something in that period of time, because in less than what, how many years that you were an elder in this church, a deacon, and then an elder, and I want you guys to talk, what, what happened through that period that made you a, a pew dweller back there, what did God do that made you say, I, we're all in? Thank you. 
These are three people, bing, bing, bang, the third person is someone who's addicted to nicotine and like you all to come up. Well, there was a fat jam that was coming in front of us here. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. If you've ever been addicted to nicotine or something like it, it's very, very difficult. And I said, well, you can do that right here. And I'm inspired. And I've tried dozens of times. And by the time I cleared that hole and I got out on the aisle, I was completely healed from nicotine addiction. That's, that's a fact, for real. And it changed my whole life shame and guilt and all kinds of bizarre things like that and, and that started to change my life and one day a Christian man, Tim Bergman, got in my face on Sunday night at McDonald's and he got right there he says, Gary, you need to come tonight, this happened to be Monday he says, you gotta come to the church, there's a guy there speaking we were there last night, which is phenomenal no, no Tim, I meant, Gary, you need to come tonight ah, someone went home and changed and came and we sat about three rows in the back. Nobody bothered us. I didn't have to come up. I was okay. And we spent the next four or five nights glued to that chair. And uh, Brian White had a word. He had everybody bow their heads. And uh, he said, some of you here and he rattled right off everything but my name. And I, he says, I'm not going to have you come up front. prior to that, but now it might be. <laughs> so he said, I just want you to raise your head, and this is the deal. You've been kind of there, and you really, but you're not really um, following me. You've been busy with life. Things have got you. They've, they've taken a hold of you tonight, right? So I keep my head up and look down and look like this, and we have that on tape. And that was just, uh, about a year's, about a year or so later, we, we uh, listened to it, and we were both on Doggone it, men. Why did the ladies have to get it first? Every time. But it's amazing that as the dad goes, the family goes. There's a lot of truth to that. And uh, just to watch this couple and this family begin to grow, all of a sudden, you know, their oldest daughter, Kara, you know, had graduated, but I, I began to see something in, in April and Josiah coming. I mean, and, and it was really amazing because it was becoming, it was a family transformation right before all of our eyes. It was because of a decision that was made. I mean, God uses all kinds of tools, and there was a word given. But, you know, you, you, people get lots of words, and they reject that. And God uses all kinds of things to grab at our hearts, and he's trying to draw us to himself. And they had to make a decision to say, I, I am all in. We are all in as a family. And so if you're, the reason why I wanted you to hear that is because if you can relate to that in a, in a certain way, there is hope in Jesus. And I want to fast forward because this third part is, is a part of the journey when you've been walking with the Lord and uh, God invites you to something and then things don't make a lot of sense. 
It's like Graham Cook, the speaker one time, he said, you know, I went through a lot. He gave a little period of time. He said, Jesus was wooing me into the secret place. He was speaking softly to me, and he wooed me in the secret place and then beat the living daylights out of me. <laughs> and they kind of went through that a little bit. But I want, you to, I want you to also see something that during this time now you have, and, and, and here's the value of it. Three kids that are married that love God with all their heart. And I know that these guys, there's not a, not a price tag that you can put on that. Because you've, they've made eternal investments. And that's when Jesus, you know, when I talked about last week, when he said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. These guys have been doing that. But about five years ago, God called them away from here and Carrie had an opportunity and they moved to Marshall and uh, they knew it was God. But I want you to talk just a minute about that part of that journey the good, the bad, the ugly, and what God was kind of saying in that. I had a plan for their life, so yeah. that they would have just they would have just listened to me at the beginning. No, totally kidding. Thing that I got for email. 
also read Psalm 73 at the same time, oftentimes you say. And you put the two together and it's our phone number, 3773. And he felt the Lord say to him that this is worth hearing and that, and that, and, you know, to rest and to wait. Because uh, I got your number. I got your number. I got your number. Because you would think that waiting is a, I don't know what we think waiting is. At least I didn't. Waiting, waiting means that you pay attention because there's something wrong. God says, I want you to wait. He's up to something. And so we were waiting longer than we wanted to wait. And, uh, but it was all good. And we saw, you know, WWW one day, which meant worship while you wait. And that became a kind of a theme in front of our computer every day. Just worship him while you're waiting. You worship him. Then Ben Goodman, who was an overseer for the church that we attended in January, nothing about me whatsoever, and I didn't, he didn't know us from Adam. We went to the church, and we were there for an evening service, and maybe a ministry chair, a little bit about that, and we did send this to the board, because the board at that time was considering us coming back. They needed to know from us that they were being obedient before God. It's important that we're obedient. It's important that leadership listens, and it's just as important or more important that the people of the church follow.
grace of your life and also to the leadership of this church. So we get to come back. Here you are, you pull up. We get to see what's new, new and improved, whatever you want to call it. This is a good place, people. It's a good place. God is honoring the decision that we made in this church. And I think he's up to something. And I need to get that up. And I didn't put him up to say that last part, so I just wanted you to know that. Um, wasn't that good? thank you guys for sharing your heart and maybe you connected with that story and I, I again we all have a story and maybe you connected with some part of that maybe you're here today and uh, you know it's that first first part you've really never surrendered to Christ you've never given your life to Christ and I think sometimes we can take for granted that everyone's done that. If you've never done that, there's an invitation to you today. Jesus loves you deeply. You could not even imagine how much he loves you. And my invitation to you today is, is let this be the day. Don't wait. Let it be a day where you just say yes to Jesus. I'm, I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe you're in the second part of that story. You know, maybe uh, just like, you know, you're, you're, you're not that you guys behind the poles are, but, you know, maybe, maybe you just, you, you come to church and it's just kind of a weekly thing that you do, but you've, you've really never made that, like, I'm all in. There's a, there's a call for you today. There's a call for your heart. And Jesus says, you know, I want all of you. You can make that decision today because I t- tell you, it will be the best decision you ever make. And you see this couple who have made eternal investments in the kingdom, and they have kids that serve the Lord. Now they have grandkids that are coming up in godly homes, and there's nothing more valuable than that. But the last part of that story is when they were away, and they didn't get into a lot of the details, but there was difficult seasons in that five years where you go, are we sure we heard right? And maybe you can connect with that in some way where, where it's, you're in a season of your life where you're like, you know, wow, it's, it seems very difficult. It seems like God is quiet sometimes, but he's here for you. Have you decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. We're going to pray and we're going to receive communion. That's how we're going to close today. Um, we'll just have a CD playing and... And again, I, I encourage you to just kind of search your own heart. Um, if you don't feel so led to take communion, you're not obligated to do so. But we will invite you to um, this side. You can, you can take the elements here. This side, you can, you can take the elements here. If you need assistance while this is being served, raise your hand. And if we could have a couple of deacons, a couple of leaders, just look for a couple of raised hands and we could just serve them. That would be awesome. But this is how we're going to close. And uh, if you need to go after you receive communion, please feel free to go. If you would like prayer for anything, I'm going to have a few of our leaders just up here just kind of hanging out. And if there's something that you would like prayer for specifically and or just kind of talk through, and we'd love to pray for you as well. But let's bow our heads. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray. And Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Thank you. God, for uh, Tyler and Morgan, these two lives, Lord Jesus, that say, I, I, we want to follow Jesus. Lord, thank you for these dads and moms 
who in their homes are saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are all in. Lord, thank you for Carrie and Lynn. Thank you for this story of faithfulness, Lord God, of lives that you redeemed, that you touched, that you transformed, that you set free. For this couple that's now loving you, serving you, And Lord, thank you so much for your gift of life. Thank you for your love, that your invitation, your hand is outstretched to each person here. And you're saying, will you be mine? I gave up my life for you. And Lord, today we want to say in our own hearts, I have decided to follow Jesus. God, we love you so much. And just... Quoting this out of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, I pass on to you what was passed on to me from Jesus, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And you guys, we need to understand that there was a brutality to the cross. And that's the severity of God on sin. They broke him to pieces. They broke him beyond recognition. And that was all done for you and me. He said, there's my body broken. As often as you eat this bread, I want you to remember what I've done for you. Then after the bread, he took the cup and he said, this, uh, this, 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 this wine is a, it's a symbol. It's a, it's a testimony of the blood that I'll shed for you because he spilled his blood and they beat his back and they put a crown of thorns on his head and But he said, this blood is the blood of the new covenant shed for you, given for you as a gift for your life. That as often as you drink it, remember me, because when you receive the bread and you receive the wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So Jesus, thank you for the cross today. And I pray, God, that as we partake, as we Take these elements, Lord God, that we would remember you. We would declare you. We would love people. We would give people our time. We would give people our love. We would give people your love. That you would transform our hearts, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a CD on. We'll have the lights.